HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's episode number 89 of Feast Your Ears, and I have Brittany Lukowski on the phone, who's currently in Miami, where she's visiting some family, but she was in Vieques, Puerto Rico, during Hurricane Maria and before that Hurricane Irma. It's hard to imagine uh, what it must be like to be without power, clean water, food, fuel for weeks with no end in sight. I happened upon Brittany's Instagram feed a few months before the disaster, and I loved her photos of the tropical landscape, the food she was cooking. And when the hurricane hit, it was valuable to have someone who was there living through it reporting what was actually happening. And in the aftermath, I noticed that Brittany was fermenting foods to preserve them, as well as provide healthy options in a sea of shelf-stable packaged goods. I know it's been really tough for you, Brittany, but I'm glad that you're safe, and thank you so much for making time to speak with me today. Hi, Harry. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can sort of jump right into it. Um, you know, wh- one of the things that I noticed uh, in following you on Instagram was that, you know, you posted these pictures of sort of, you know, it was, it was in fact, I think, kind of beautiful right before the storm. I mean, you could see the clouds and the water and everything seemed kind of calm. Um, and I know, you know, in the lead up to Irma, things seemed like they would be kind of okay. And they were, right? Irma wasn't so bad. Irma did not hit us as badly. We were lucky to hit the south side of that storm, so um, that's kind of the you know, better part if there is one. Sure. Um, but a lot of our neighboring islands did get destroyed with Irma, yeah. and then it seems like Maria came along afterwards and kind of finished the job, if you will. Right, but right, right. right. It, was, it was a very, very stressful time, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking back uh, as I was preparing for this interview, and I was looking at your posts leading up to Maria, where it also seemed like Maria got... I had forgotten that Maria had gotten stronger very quickly. 
Um, and so you were kind of in a position, I mean, you know, Vieques is an island off of the larger island of right. Puerto Rico, right? So, you know, if you happened to be in San Juan, perhaps you would have been able to just like jump on a plane and get out. Um, but it seemed like the storm picked up such speed and force that, you know, you really had no option but to stay. That's pretty much correct. Um, we had just actually come off of nine days with no power because of Irma. Um, while we didn't have any damage to the island, specifically the power grid on the main island took a hit from the wind. So we had about four days in between with power, and it was like two days of recovery and getting like the fridge back to normal and kind of you know using the lights, and then two days of sheer panic as we watched Maria just grow exponentially over just about 48 hours. Wow. Um, and tell me a little bit about life on Vieques before the storm. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I know it from seeing your pictures and I know a little bit uh, about it. I mean, I, I believe there was a U.S. military base there at some point in the past. Yeah. Is that correct? Vieques was actually used for many years as a bombing target practice right. site for the U.S. military. Um, I think the Navy. Uh, so it's it's been a a hard time for the people of Vieques. They've been removed from their land several times and, and really been disconnected from uh, what, what was a history of farming and agriculture, you know, to be self-sufficient, because as you said, we are off of the main island about seven miles. Um, so everything that we get there relies on the main island, which again relies on the United States. Right. So it's a long trail of things coming to us and, you know, a lot of a lot of fresh vegetables and fruits are hard to come by on a good day. Uh, so it it really takes a hit when the the um, the ferry system isn't running, and the planes aren't coming. It's hard to find what you need to eat. Right, and and what is the uh, you know what what how I guess trying to understand. So you know with sort of post hurricane with the destruction. Um, I mean, you you stayed obviously. Did a lot of your neighbors stay as well? Um, there's a very diverse. Uh, kind of people that live in Vieques, a lot of them are seasonal anyway. Um, a lot of people will come, you know, to help with the tourism industry during high season. Mm. And then some will either just lay low in the summer or end up back in the States doing, you know, other kinds of tourism industry things, uh, guiding and whatnot in the, in the, in the West or whatever. Uh, so we actually had a lot of people that left Vieques uh, to go to California and then ended up dealing with fires, but right. you know, that's another story. Um, but uh, my neighbors specifically stayed. Um, I live in a neighborhood that's very much local people, and most of my neighbors, I would say, have been born and raised on Vieques, and they had no intention of leaving. Right. Um, some people did leave, but like you said just a minute ago, we didn't have a lot of time, and they shut down the ferry system very quickly, when, and they have to take the ferries all the way to San Juan because that's the closest um, kind of safe harbor. So there's a whole that's a long, a long journey, and there's a process to kind of shutting down all these services. So it happened really quickly, um, and we didn't have a lot of time. And um, what what led you to Vieques originally? Like what 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 was your you know what 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 drew you uh, there? <laughs> um, I had vacationed there a couple times with friends and just really enjoyed it. I, I loved that it was easy to go there. You don't, you know, at the time you don't need your passport. You, your money's the same. It's America, right. you know, but you're in this beautiful culture, um, this place where people speak Spanish predominantly, and there's so much richness to the people there and the history of this island. 
And I mean, you know, these breathtaking beaches definitely didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and what did you, what were you able to do to prepare? I mean, so, you know, you had been through Irma and you'd gotten sort of things theoretically back to normal and then you see Maria coming. Um, what, you know, what, what did you do to pull things together? You know, figuring that it it would be at least like Irma without power for, you know, a week or two. And, you know, I, I assume, you know, as it gained strength, it became clear that this could be much worse. Yeah, well, by Sunday morning before the storm, we definitely knew that this was the opportunity that we had to prepare anything. Um, and we were definitely preparing for the, at least a month of, of nothing, um, because we'd prepared for that with Irma, even um, you know knowing it might not have been quite as bad. But with the situation, like I said, on a good day, to see something like this coming towards you, like you need to do as much as you can to yeah. be ready for weeks on end. Um, so the, I guess the biggest thing we did was just start a lot of fermented vegetables because we knew the first thing to go would be uh, refrigerator trucks coming to the island. Um, usually after something like this or in a disaster situation, um, you know, the military trucks and a lot of fuel trucks will get priority. And I know after the storm, it was four to five weeks before we saw any vegetables arrive wow. at the produce or at the uh, grocery stores. So we and then started I have to imagine five the, gallons of yeah. fermented vegetables, mm. uh, some sauerkraut, some peppers, some carrots, just, you know, simple saltwater brine and submerged them and left them on the counter. And they lasted us really the entire time. Wow. Um, and I had a couple, I had several gallons of kimchi that I'd been just had stashed in the back of the fridge. So we had several things we could add to that, but we definitely started a lot of things before this knowing we could leave it on the counter for at least right. two weeks. Yeah, sure. If not I mean, more, and then deal with you know getting it into a cooler or something with some ice just here and there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a great story, and it's, it, it's, I think it's valuable for you know those of us who, you know, can't possibly imagine, or it's very unlikely that we'd be in this situation. Um, you know, living in on the mainland or wherever my listeners live. Mm-hmm to remember that these things that have, you know, have become popular in the past few years and something that I love and I practice, mm-hmm. I do lots of fermented vegetables that, you know, these things really are from a time before there was refrigeration. And the whole Absolutely. point was to be able to preserve these foods so that they wouldn't rot and to add, you know, and, and in many cases to make them more healthy. I mean, in sauerkraut, you end up with lots of other um, trace minerals and you end up with vitamin C coming, you know, that's that's more uh, available to you um, than it would be just in the raw cabbage. And, you know, especially in a situation where you don't know where you're going to be getting your food. And, and in your case, right, eventually the Red Cross did get in and you were getting boxes of food. But, you know, I saw you, yeah, po- you posted you a picture of that. one that, that I think I think you said it was called a whole meal, but it was uh, packaged beef jerky and cookies and potato mm-hmm. chips. Right. Yes. Yeah. So not not exactly. I mean, you know, I guess it's a meal in terms of number of calories. Uh, if you were looking at it just and like that's that, what they told us right. that it's calorie laden and that's what they're concerned with getting people these calories. And I was like, but <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, you know, the military came in with MREs, which, right. again, that's, that's they're calorie-laden, and they're also sodium-laden, and yep. they're, I don't think, very nutritious for somebody who's, you know, trying to survive in these extreme situations. Sure, and, and also needing to have really, uh, needing to have really good 
good food and good nourishment, right? I mean, we're also talking about stress, yes. right? So you're talking about being in a situation where it is stressful and where you don't know what's going to happen and where, you know, you reported, I think, at some point uh, in October that you'd had four days of power since the yeah, storm. Yeah, um, since before Irma. Uh, it, went, it went out for nine days for that, and then we had four days of power, and then it got shut off for Maria. And uh, we were there for, we left 41 days after the storm. So that entire time, and for the foreseeable future, there will be no electricity. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and, but, it, it, you know, given all of that, it sounds like you were able to really nourish yourself and to the, be able to be in a position to address some of those other stresses. Um, we were, and I'm just so very thankful for, um, you know, one of my favorite books, besides Vinegar Revival, <laughs> is um, The Art of Fermentation. And I had taken it as a Bible, you know, and I just, I read it and I learn as much as I can. And I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to really teach myself these basic, like you said, uh, before refrigeration, which um, I think I'd read a book about Vieques and refrigerators didn't exist until the 40s. Hmm. Um, you know, so you're talking just shy of a uh, hundred years and people have completely forgotten these what used to be completely normal things are yeah. just gone from memory because now you open the fridge and, you know, of course you do, but that wasn't the case very, very recently, really in our, in our past. And it's a shame that these things have kind of fallen aside, but, you know, aside from the nutrition and how delicious and fun these things are, they really are a way to, you know, take care of yourself and to, to be able to feed yourself and be nourished if in the case of any kind of disaster, which you know, it could happen to yeah. anyone, not just a hurricane-prone area. You know, we we could all take a, take a good lesson from learning these kinds of techniques. Absolutely. I mean, even looking back to infrastructure failure on a large scale, you know, here on the mainland mm -hmm. U.S., I mean, there was a blackout here, right, That's, across yeah. 13 states and, you know, years ago. Um, and there's no reason to think that that couldn't happen again. Um, and, you know, then we, we wouldn't have refrigeration. Um, w did you share any of the fermenting techniques with your neighbors? Were you able to help anybody um, else to kind of use these same techniques? We've, uh, we've, we've tried. Um, yeah. the, the, the Puerto Rican diet is a lot more based on, um, I want to say like less, less strong flavors, less pronounced flavors. So we've shared some things with our friends and neighbors um, that are locals, and they've been, you know, moderately receptive. But um, a lot of the people that really love and have benefited from our our foods are, you know, fellow, you know, American, uh, not Americans, but people born here in the States who have moved to Vieques, and mm. they love it because they're used to seeing these things on the shelf at the Whole Foods or at right. their local, you know, grocery store or whatever, and they're like, wow, we can get kimchi, we can get we can get sauerkrauts from you and we can get all these, these great pickles and ferments. It's really, really fun. So they turned to me and said, Hey, do you guys have anything? You know, like just a few days into this, people were already just eating everything out of a can and it was right. kind of heartbreaking, you know, but we reached out to as many people as we could to share what we knew we could, you know, kind of do without since we had a lot coming along. Yeah. Um, you're a beekeeper also, right? Uh, my boyfriend, uh, has, has um has hives i i've tried um but you know we we do uh process wax and we bottle honey did the bees make it through uh, the hurricane oh the bees our bees um had a hard time but they had a shelter to be moved into um mm. they just don't take the stress very well sure and 
um, a lot of wild bees that would live in, say, a tree or a wooden house had their homes completely blown apart. So there were a lot of swarms. uh, But the big problem right after the storm was definitely a lack of flowers in general. Um, They were found drinking coffee and drinking people's sodas and, Mm. (laughs) you know, kind of any little thing they could just sip on that was sweet. And we had taken some sugar water and some honey. We had a very little bit of honey left that we took out and kind of put out for the bees that we keep in some high in some, you know, boxes. Uh, so they're, they're, I think the overall culture of bees will survive. Um, we might have a lot of work to do when we get back though. Yeah. And so you, you're now, you're in Miami, um, kind of, you have a Jacksonville actually. Oh, okay. Jacksonville. Um, yeah. and, and having, having a slight, a visit with family and kind of a respite from rebuilding your, your space down in Vieques, right? Yeah. When we first had the power situation be described as taking as long as it would, um, I'm actually fortunate enough that um, most of my income comes from off the island. So in this situation, it's uh, it's a situation where I just needed to get back to some internet so I could do work and kind of catch up with a lot of things. So 40 days in, we still had no sign of internet or oh, there's some Wi-Fi in the plaza. I can't I can't disparage that. But um, they just getting Wi-Fi, getting ability to use my computer was not in the near future for us. So we just took some time to come back. We're staying with my boyfriend's family for just a month, and we plan to go back November 30th and uh, kind of see you know, how things are going there. We definitely want to stay. We both love the island. And our next goal is just to plant, um, regrow trees, grow a bigger garden for ourselves, and be as self-sufficient as we can, you know, and, and encourage people and hopefully be able to do more sharing of, you know, these techniques that we used and convince people that it's more than just the taste or, or whatever. It's really a matter of taking care of yourself and your family. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, if, if you are able to convince other people, I mean, it sounds like the, as you pointed out, you know, refrigerators only came to Vieques in the 1940s, you know, before that, obviously it had been inhabited for a very long time. So the people were living there yeah. before that. And so there's no reason to think that you couldn't go back to using some of those, uh, those things, not to say that you shouldn't have a refrigerator if the grid is on, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we all like our modern comforts and we likes a cold beer, but you know, but, but if you can't have that, um, there are other ways to do it. We're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll keep keep talking about your, your food and your experiences. Okay, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, 
wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. Sweep me up into your hands and scatter me with the seeds of Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and today I have Brittany Lukowski on the phone, who survived both Hurricane Irma and Maria in Vieques, Puerto Rico earlier this year. And before the break, um, Brittany, we were talking about sort of the, the fermented the fermented foods that you were uh, that you were creating and how that sort of helped uh, you know helped you to get through the 40 days without power, without sort of anything. Um, I wanted to read two different posts, uh, the text from them that you put up on Instagram on the same day in October. Um, the first one in October 23rd, you wrote, as time marches on, resources are running low here and things don't seem to be getting better. Grocery shelves are empty. Gas lines are eight to 10 hours long. There's absolutely no ice on the island. Water's been shut off again because the generator for the pump is broken and the newest estimate for getting power is March. Um, you know, reading that, it, it feels like, you know, what a, you know, what a, a, a dire situation, um, because it seems like you're sort of powerless against these forces, right? There's no, there's no water. Absolutely. You, you don't have a generator. You can't do anything yeah. about it. Um, and, you know, certainly the, the power grid is not something that you really can, can affect and gas lines and just, you know, reading that, I think, gosh, you know, how, you know, how, what, what is, you know, what's the ray of light, what keeps you going? And then that same day you put up a photograph of your food, of what you were eating and you called it disaster curry. And you wrote yellow split peas, curry, sauerkraut, fermented ginger carrots, organic canned tomatoes, organic coconut milk, fermented hot pepper, relish, basmati rice, and sprouted lentils which, A, sounds delicious. I wish I had that for yeah. right now. Yeah, that's a new, that's a new regular. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing about it that, that I found really interesting as a contrast in that is that, you know, as I scroll through my Instagram feed, I follow lots of people that make all kinds of food, and that dish could have been from any of them. That could have been from a restaurant in Boston or New York or Chicago or could have been from, you know, any of the different fermented foods people that I follow. And so to me, it represented something that, you know, that, that's incredible that, you know, food was something that you were able to make and it was still delicious and nutritious and really was something to look forward to when you were facing waiting 10 hours to get gasoline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, my favorite thing to do is just spend the day in the kitchen anyway. So, you know, my boyfriend and I laughed because we would come up with some pretty creative ways to combine, you know, the things that we had and kind of keep them from being too boring because like, sauerkraut's great. But when you eat sauerkraut, you know, three meals a day, right. <laughs> sauerkraut gets old. But we had several flavors that we'd messed with, um, kind of did some different things like the curry spiced sauerkraut, which I just kind of threw together. Um, actually, the curry kraut that I used there, I had made about 10 days into um, being without power because a friend brought me a half of a cabbage that he said was kind of rotting, <laughs> you know, and said, can you do something with this? And I was <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> so we made food 10 days in that we were confident we could eat two weeks, you know, yeah. even after that. And yeah, sure. I just, I actually just find it so interesting that these simple techniques, you know, can really just make magic with, with food. Um, and yeah, eating was for sure something we looked forward to. Um, there were three different times that we made kimchi pot stickers for a couple of friends, you know, invited people over or took food to their house to cook and to eat and just spend time 
hanging out with people and kind of pooling together everything that we had to share and, and to make the best of the situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I really, I love that. I, I wonder if there's a, you know, I, I wonder if there's a way for you to take this experience and to, to share, you know, to share that knowledge, just not just of saying, you know, people should buy art of fermentation and, and learn to make sauerkraut, <laughs> but, but ways that you can think about, you know, why it's important to be making this fresh food or making these dishes and sharing them with people when you're in this kind of disaster situation. Um, and, and, you know, perhaps there are lessons to be learned and, and ideas to be shared from that, um, you know, with people who, who live in places, you know, whether, whether it's in New York city or not. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a compelling story and I think it's really interesting. I wanted to, um, to ask you about what, you know, you, I have to imagine, um, you know, being back in a place where you can just, you know, run down to the store and have access to anything. Um, are there things that you are already planning to bring back with you and carry back to the Island in order to prepare for, you know, if you go back on, on November 30th, you're going to, you know, and the power, let's say best case, it comes back on in March. I mean, that's still mm-hmm. four months <laughs> with no electricity and no refrigeration. Yeah. Um, well, our, our goal right now is to just kind of take it through these days and enjoy yeah, being back somewhere where things are just prolific. You can get anything you want pretty much anywhere, um, which <laughs> you take for granted sometimes until it's just completely not an option. So yeah. it's, it's an experience to have gone through, but um, and going back, I, I'm not entirely sure how, if you can take fresh things. Um, however, I'm definitely going to be taking some some spices that are hard to come by and things that are expensive to order. Mm. Um, one thing I, I find interesting that we don't have growing in Vieques, but I know grows in Puerto Rico itself, is jackfruit. Um, because I, I tend to not eat much meat at all. And so, you know, finding things that aren't, tofu that aren't refrigerated that aren't um that aren't are shelf stable uh, is is interesting so i I was able to cook with some like kind of prepackaged jackfruit that i found here and i'm definitely going to be shipping some of that back to myself yeah um and we're just kind of taking it day by day because things change every day on the island i've seen things get worse since we left and now they're you know there's at least estimates of the water coming back for good and some other things, the gas lines, um, you know, if the gas continues to come daily, then there's not a problem there. So that's right. good. And if the gas can come, then the ice plant can run and the generator can run and we can get ice. So that actually is kind of enough. When you live for this long without a fridge, you kind of realize that you don't need it that badly. <laughs> and, you know, we're just dedicated to the island and want to be there to help rebuild and to, like I said, help plants and just grow as much as we can and encourage other people to do the same. So in going back, uh, we'll definitely be getting some more battery powered and solar chargeable items. But right. uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to, um, I know that the, the produce truck has started to come. There's a bi-weekly little market that gets set up and they do have a nice variety of things. So we found out that they're back to their regular schedule, which to me is music to my ears. So yeah. we know we can at least get some vegetables, get some things going, and just deal with it from there. You know, um, we learned to live without ice for four and five days in a row, so that's not even a big deal anymore. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be it'll be nice to get back to it and kind of get back to helping our friends and rebuilding what we used to have as a really 
beautiful place and and a lot of beautiful people. So. Um, I, w- I wonder if you, uh, your, you know, your story about your, your friend bringing you a half a cabbage that had, you know, had some mold <laughs> on it. Um, I, I wonder if you might be able to, you know, to work out now that there's a market again with some fresh produce, taking those things that m- people might not want to buy because the end of the carrot is brown or, you know, because the, the cabbage, ha- you know, one side of it is, is starting to rot um, and then start doing these larger scale fermentations with them to be able to then provide that back to people. Um, Definitely. And that's one thing that we did the day before Maria um, on a just one last ditch effort to go find what we could. One of the grocery stores was throwing away um, in the little picture I posted on Instagram. There's a big tub of green peppers and there's a big tub of carrots. And all of that was completely free. Wow. Uh, the grocery store was throwing it away because there was a dime sized, you know, mold spot on the peppers, which, hey, I understand, like, hey, maybe you go to the grocery store, you don't want that moldy pepper, but they were just throwing away all this food, and the carrots were just a little bit flimsy. They kind of wiggled when you, when you, you know, moved them. So they were all just trash, and we peeled them, chopped them, cleaned them all, cut them up, and just threw them into a simple saltwater brine and left them pretty much, as long, like, I would say two or three, at least three weeks before yep. we even touched them. Yep. And they were crunchy and delicious, yep. and we made stir-fries and... You know, shared them with friends who hadn't seen a carrot in a month almost. Yeah, the lactobacillus <laughs> you know, doesn't mind, mind, right? They're like, what, you have vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's awesome. Um, that's definitely, you know, an option because this market that comes, we've we've done hot pepper um, relish and, and hot sauce from completely free hot peppers that were just rotting. And half of them were still viable, so we just cut them all up and, and went with it. Cool. Um, I wonder you were you know you were saying about the jackfruit um, as as something that's you know since you don't eat a lot of meat. Um, I wonder about fermenting tempeh. You know you could if you had dried beans um, and Ooh, you were able to get yeah. the spores for that. You know that does well in I mean in warm and so you wouldn't even you know up here you know it's it's winter in New York so like if I want to make that I have to put it on my radiator or I have to put it in the right, oven with the yeah, light on. <laughs> I, you know down in Puerto Rico I'm sure you can just leave it out. Um, and then, you know, and then you could be doing that, um, and for, for a protein. Excellent. Yeah. I will keep that in mind. So, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to know, you know, what can we, what can we do? Like, you know, what can I do being here in New York, um, you know, to, to help, um, you know, I know there's, there's lots of talk about, you know, don't give money to the Red Cross and you should give money to this and that. And the other thing, you know, in a very direct way as someone who's there, who's on the ground, you know, what, what can we do? That's a question that I am asked all the time, and I just wish I had a better answer because I just, it's so hard to pinpoint where the problem is if there's a problem to be had. What we need is the power to come back, and that's not something that I can say, well, come down and put up a telephone (laughs) pole for us. Right. I can't can't mail you you a box of power. um, I guess the the truth of the matter is to pressure your local um, and, and the state level government. Um, I don't know specifically, I should have maybe looked that, at that, but who to talk to, but, you know, have have a voice and remind people that we're down here and that, you know, there's, there's it's a situation um, with no power. A, a real, another big problem, just real quick, is like mold uh, forming and people's houses are becoming uninhabitable because, you know, there's no fan, there's no air moving, it's it's 90 degrees all the time and it's it's unbearable. So just I would say pressure your uh, your your senators and your congresspeople to continue to provide aid 
and to not give up on on Puerto Rico. Um, we're already in a dire situation with debt, and I hear that the the emergency package that's being talked about is going to require it to be paid back. And I, you know, just consider that these are your fellow Americans, and we're all down here just doing our best and trying to get through this. It's been a it's been a really hard time on people. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, and and I want to I want to point out, um, you know, that you also you're trying to raise money to help bring your mom to Florida for Thanksgiving, right? And I think that that's you know, um, where can people where can people find that if they want to if they want to help you out? Because I understand your mom is not you know your mom doesn't get to come down to Puerto Rico, and you don't you're not able to go and see her, so you're trying to get her to come to your boyfriend's family's house for Thanksgiving, right? Yes, um, and a very very sweet friend of mine was able to help me get the plane ticket, so now there's a, some associated costs, you know, and we are just strapped to the limit with having spent two months not working, really, so any help would be greatly appreciated. Um, we're just, I just want to have a good time and see her. It's been a few years now since we've been together. Um, I've got a, a page. It's not GoFundMe. It's a different one, but it's on my Instagram account at Zola1439 and then uh, on Preservado Vieques which is a, a small, like just a label for the small business that we do, providing fermented foods and beverages to people. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I mean, I know it wasn't the, the happiest of, of topics, but I, you know, I'm really, I'm glad that I was able to sort of help share your story. And I hope that people will see that, you know, that there is a, there is a light uh, to this and that, you know, if, if you think that you're going to be in a situation where there may be a disaster, fermented foods are a really good thing to, to put up, um, not just boxes of batteries and gallons of water. Absolutely, and thank you. I'm I'm really glad to be able to take this experience and turn it into something where help to educate people, and hopefully, you know, people take it, this advice and if they're oh, we we lost you just a little bit at the end there. No, no, it's okay. Um, well, again, thank you so much. Um, I would encourage people to follow Brittany on Instagram uh, at Zola1439 and at Preservado Vieques. Um, and you can you can follow along with you know with the rebuilding down there and you know for me while we can look at you know CNN or you know ABC or whomever NPR and see uh, kind of the the news reporting on what's happening in Puerto Rico I, I think that there's a great amount of value to modern social media to be able to see it from the eyes of people who are really there um, and what the day to day is like and not just the fantastical you know upside down boats and things but understanding that you know people mm -hmm. do have to live through this. So, um, well, thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears. Big thank you to David Tattashore for engineering this show. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and reach out if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. And you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, 
at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.